Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to another edition of Questions for Corbett. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. It is July of 2023, and for this edition of the Questions for Corbett series, we're going to take a question from a recent comment on CorbettReport.com, specifically a comment to my recent editorial on Sanctions Are War by Other Means that was posted up to the website in May. And if you haven't read it yet, I suggest you do. I think it is a particularly important editorial with some important information. But just to go through it here, uh, for the purposes of today, it starts by noting that uh, nearly one-third of the planet is under economic sanctions of one sort or another. Did you know that? Probably not. But why not? Uh, Even those who don't pay much attention to the nexus between geopolitics and economics are likely to find that to be a shocking statistic. But for those who do pay attention to that nexus, it's even more shocking, because they know that economic sanctions are not just some abstract economic concept. And so the purpose of this editorial is to go through and basically highlight what I assert here in the title, that sanctions are war by other means. So if you scroll down, you find... Existing users login... Is this a paywall? You shill, Corbett, I always knew there was something wrong with you trying to, oh my god, trying to earn money from your living. Oh my, the terror. Oh, wait. Click here to access the editorial for free. Oh, whew, okay. Well, anyway, so if you don't want to pay me for my work, well, anyway, you can enjoy it for free. You're welcome. And so when you click through to the Substack link, you can go and read through this article where I go through a few documented cases from history. highlighting the fact that sanctions are indeed war by other means. I talk about the German starvation blockade post-World War I. Post-World War I? When did World War I really end? These are questions that were raised in my uh, my conversation with Jerry Doherty, obviously one half of the writing team behind Hidden History and Prolonging the Agony that you will recall from my World War I documentary. But I do go through in more detail here about this particularly important part of the post-quote-unquote World War I era and how the German starvation blockade that was brutally inflicted upon Germany by Churchill and others uh, after World War I absolutely contributed to the death of many, many Germans long after the armistice was signed. So anyway, that is one example. I also go through the Japanese oil embargo, as in the U.S. embargo of oil to Japan pre-World War II, or pre-American involvement in World War II anyway, which was a one of the items suggested in a infamous memo penned by... Um, McCollum, uh, Lieutenant Commander Arthur H. McCollum, the head of the Far East Desk of the U.S. Office of Naval Intelligence, which included various ways of provoking Japan into striking the U.S. to make it look like they are the aggressors. Well, how do you provoke someone into starting a war? Well, hmm, uh, let's basically wage war by other means. So the oil embargo um, was imposed, and you can find out more information about that before the, of course, the strike at Pearl Harbor, which... FDR and Churchill absolutely knew about, as I'm sure you know if you were in this audience. And I also look at the Iraq child-killing sanctions, the the sanctions that took place there in Iraq in the 1990s that were absolutely contributory to the death of hundreds of thousands of innocent children and grown adults as well, for whoever is keeping track at home. Anyway, lots of information on that and many, many links to go through besides. And then at the end, I talk about that surprising statistic, one-third of 
the uh, the entire world is currently under sanctions. Did you know that? What does that mean? And so I talk about um, some of those sanctions and where this comes from. A an article. Um, and recently on the human consequences of economic sanctions by Francisco Rodriguez that explains what shouldn't need to be explained, but does so from an academic and economic point of view, um, specifically outlining not only the fact that, of course, uh, sanctions are a form of economic warfare, but also that they specifically hurt the most vulnerable in society and have remarkably little effect in the supposed, the way that they're always implemented, is as a stern and 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 uh, rebuke against a dictator or authoritarian in some other country, when in fact they are usually targeted at the most vulnerable in that country. Whether sanctions hurt regular people in the target countries is a hotly debated topic, but it shouldn't be. The evidence from almost all critical examinations of economic sanctions so, show that they are very damaging and sometimes lethal for people who happen to be living in any of the many and growing number of countries subject to such measures by the US, the EU, or other powerful actors. I suggest you do read that article. I think it is an important one and worth reading. But anyway, that is the quick overview of this article. And as I say in the article, of course, the three examples, the historical examples I look at are just historical examples. And you could think of many, many, many more. And I do invite people out there who do have other examples to leave information about that in the comments. But speaking of the comments, that's where we derive the titular title of this Questions for Corbett, where if you scroll down to Hyper Simeon's comment, Hyper Simeon wrote, how is not wanting to do business with someone and act of war, an act of war? It's not. All right. Well, okay. So that does raise the question because, of course, this is called sanctions are war by other means. Hypersimian is asserting that how is not wanting to do business with someone an act of war? It's not. Well, that's an interesting way of framing the question, isn't it? Sanctions are not wanting to do business with someone? Who is not wanting and who is wanting? And in what way is this not wanting imposed or not. Uh, this is a uh, back and forth that develops between some commenters, and then Hypersimian clarifies that my response is to the, the Japanese oil embargo. We don't want to support war by giving Japan oil, so they attack because we provoke them. I don't see it as my my various <laughs> headphones and things start falling to the ground here. I don't see it like that. Yes, Japan was wrong for Pearl Harbor and whoever else knew, but the simple fact to not do business is an act of war is lunacy. I, I think I understand what this means. So the simply not doing business with someone and seeing that as an act of war is lunacy, even from a voluntarist view, more importantly. Provide for your own nation, if anything. All right, so... There's a couple of questions to tease out here, and that, as I say, the titular question of this particular question for Corbett, are sanctions war? Well, you know my answer is going to be yes, and I will talk about that more in a moment. But I think there's a second thread that's being woven here in the way that this is being posed by Hypersimian. So um, the simple fact to not do business is an act of war is lunacy, even from a voluntarist view, more importantly. So yes, as people may know, I do hew to a voluntarist ideology in which consenting adults can contract to engage in what transactions they want or to not engage in whatever transactions that they don't want to engage in. That is, of course, their right, and nobody has the presumed authority to step in there and tell them what to do. But that's kind of the question here, right? How is not wanting to do business with someone in active war? Okay, 
of course it is not. I agree 100% not wanting to do business with someone. That isn't an act of war. That is not something that should be, um, that should be in any way retaliated against or as some first stage toward outright hostile, um, hostile hot war. But that's not what is going on here, quite obviously and quite specifically. For example, it's not that FDR decided he didn't want to personally send oil to Japan or sell oil to Japan. No, 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 no. FDR is signing an order which applies to all American businesses. Every single person, all of these businessmen, suddenly are at the subject, subject to the will of FDR and or his government. That isn't voluntarism. I, I hope people understand the point here. It isn't a subtle point, and, and it's not an un, un, unimportant or trivial point. It actually goes to the very heart of the matter that we deal with on a whole range of issues. Not just this issue, but this issue too. The point is not someone deciding, I don't want to buy from this company, or I don't want to sell to those people. That's, as I say, that's perfectly within any person's prerogative to make that decision for themselves, and nobody in my opinion, nobody has the right or the authority to come in and to stop them from transacting with someone or to force them to transact with someone. But that's precisely what sanctions are. Sanctions are when a national government or some sort of supranational body like the WTO or whatever other presumed authority has the right to step in as a third party in a transaction to stop two parties from interacting or to force two parties to interact. No, that's ridiculous. So, yes, sanctions are not people deciding they don't want to do business with someone. Sanctions are someone else deciding that you can't do business with someone because they have decided you can't do that. So please don't make that mistake. And as I say, this is an incredibly foundationally important idea if you want to understand what the voluntarist ideology even is or what it's about. And it has to do with so many of the problems that we face. Just for example, hey, how about the rise of the biosecurity state? As I have been at pains to point out since the very beginning of this fake, phony, generated crisis in my very first videos about this, go back to what no one is saying about the coronavirus crisis or whatever that video was called. And my very message in there was that this is fundamentally about health freedom. Everyone has the right of their bodily autonomy to determine for themselves what medical precautions they will take based on their own perception of what risk is out there and what will mitigate that risk and what the trade-offs of those things are. Everyone has the right to decide for themselves. And that means you can decide to seal yourself hermetically in some completely sealed chamber for the rest of your life if you can afford to do so. Go for it. I'm not going to stop you, nor would I presume to have the authority to stop you from doing that. But likewise, reciprocally, I get to decide for myself what I believe the risks are and what I will do to mitigate those risks. And no one has the right uh, to, to stop me from taking whatever precautions I want or forcing me to take whatever precautions they want me to take. That is the foundation of health security. That is the foundation of voluntarism as it applies in the health arena. And here in the economic arena, I, I similarly, I get to decide who I'm going to trade with on whatever side of whatever imaginary line on a map you want to draw. And nobody has the right, the authority to step in and to stop me from transacting in that way or to force me to transact with someone else or whatever the case may be. So I, again, I hope people understand this. This is an absolutely foundationally important thing 
to understand if we're going to understand what voluntarism even is. So no, sanctions are not voluntarily deciding. People deciding they don't want to do business. I'm not, I'm not going to sell to oil to Japan. You can decide to do that, but you cannot decide to do that for someone else. That's the point. Okay, now, the, the, as I say, the, the actual title of today's podcast, Are Sanctions War, is the, the, the sort of more direct question that's being asked here. And as, uh, as you'll see if you go through and actually read this editorial, yes, I certainly do think that sanctions are warfare. And I think that is amply backed up from any number of examples that we could look at around the world today, yesterday, in the far distant past, or in the very near future. There is significant evidence surveyed in the report that I just authored, as well as in uh, other academic studies, uh, that uh, economic sanctions have an adverse effect, a major adverse effect on living conditions in target countries. Uh, some of the studies uh, find that the imposition of sanctions by the U.S., uh, leads to a decline in income per capita of up to 26%. That's the equivalent of causing a Great Depression. Another study found uh, increases or declines in life expectancy of between 1.2 and 1.4 years. That's the equivalent of the mortality effects of uh, the COVID pandemic. So, so when sanctions are imposed on a country like Venezuela and uh, like Cuba, uh, they lead to a major economic contraction. Uh, and Venezuela GDP per capita has fallen by 72%. Uh, and this has generated a massive exodus. Uh, almost 25% of the population has left, and many of them are trying to make their way uh, uh, to the border and to try, trying to enter the United States. International sanctions and a freezing of the assets of Afghanistan's central bank make it near impossible for the economy to function normally. The country is run by an internationally recognized terrorist group, making its economy the victim of counter-terror restrictions. Those still with savings cannot access them, and sending money to the country from abroad remains tough. Added to this, food price rises are making it harder for families to buy enough. Whatever you feel about the Syrian government, it's obviously, as you say in your report, it's 90% of Syria is living below the poverty line. And it's that 90% that is the worst impacted by these sanctions. Unfortunately, that's the case. And uh... If I may say like a last sentence, I see that the level of awareness about the impact of sanctions is enormously low. People, lots of people believe that uh, sanctions are not affecting regular people. They are only affected those design directly designated. So I would really appreciate if people would start reading the reports which I produce. I do my best to verify all facts. And I need to say that in the situation of Syria, I didn't meet a single interlocutor who said that, no, we do not observe the impact of sanctions. They all sound in a one voice, in unified voice, and they all said, please give us back the hope. Economic sanctions were imposed upon Iraq, very tough ones, in uh, the summer of 1990, uh, when Iraq invaded Kuwait. We have heard that a half a million children have died. I mean, that's more children than died when, when, in, in Hiroshima. And, and, you know, is the price worth it?
I think this is a very hard choice, but the price, we think the price is worth it. It is a moral question, but the moral question is even a larger one. Don't we owe to the American people and to the American military and to the other countries in the region that this man not be a threat? Now, sadly, I could go on and on and on and on, but I think you do get the point that, yes, sanctions are a form of economic warfare. They are economic weapons that are wielded against opponents. Whose opponents? In what way? Perhaps there are people in the audience who are not pacifists who think that, yes, sometimes there is the just war and it's a good idea to go in and guns blazing and to spill blood in the name of king and country. I don't know, whatever people use to justify that these days. At any rate, even if that is your mindset, still, economic sanctions are not just a form of warfare. They are a particularly pernicious, particularly disgusting form of warfare because they do not tend to hurt the supposed intended targets of this warfare. They tend to hurt the sickest, the most poor and vulnerable of society. Uh, children, of course, often end up bearing the brunt of this particular weapon of warfare. And if the supposed goal is to overthrow a despotic regime, well, you know, whose despotic regime? Which despotic regime? On which day? Yes, we can point at many countries and tusk tusk, but which countries are we not pointing to? Which countries are not being targeted with the economic warfare sanction weapon? Anyway, that being what it is, Still, how many countries can you think of where successful regime change or whatever the goal supposedly was resulted as a as the consequence of the imposition of sanctions? I will hold my breath and wait for you to think of two, three in the past century. Uh, I died because I can't hold my breath that long. This is the point. This is why Castro, for example, is uh, chuckling from his uh, grave over... The idea that it, the mighty American empire could completely sanction and embargo Cuba for half a century, but didn't stop Castro. Actually, maybe his son is laughing about that in Ottawa right now. Anyway, that being what it is, yes, sanctions are warfare, and they certainly did impoverish, say, the people of Cuba, but not Castro. You can bet that he was living a pretty good life, right? So... I think the point is made, and as I say, I've only scraped the surface, so if there are people who would like to chime in with more examples, because there are many, many more that deserve to be looked at, and many more victims of this particular disgusting and cowardly form of warfare who need to be remembered, uh, so that we do not repeat this in the future, and so that we understand the significance of that opening factoid. Hey, did you know that one-third of the entire globe is currently under form some form of sanctions? What does that mean? And who is suffering as a result of that? Can you imagine if we didn't believe in the authority of some people wearing funny hats or wielding certain titles in some faraway capital to be able to tell vast swaths of the human population who they can and cannot interact with? Can you imagine if we could get out of that mindset? Anyway, I can imagine uh, what that might be like, and I call it voluntarism. Anyway, I think the point is made, um, more or less. But if you would like more information on this, I will commend uh, a, a podcast to your attention. 
um, that certainly got me thinking along these lines earlier this year. It's the China Watch podcast, which had a two-part series on the history and the current state of economic warfare by means of sanctions. And it goes through, in especially part one, a lot of the history of how this developed, because it is important to understand that it is mostly 20th century development that economic warfare of this sort became the norm in international relations. It was not. Say, go back to the 19th century, and you will see Britain and Russia continuing to trade during the Crimean War and other such Things that wouldn't make sense from today's viewpoint. What, what are they doing? Um, no, this was something that developed historically throughout the 20th century and was identified and perhaps enabled by the League of Nations as l'arme économique. Anyway, there's a, there is a history here, and it is important to understand that so that we understand what is happening today and where we are being driven in the future um, in the res- as the result of sanctions... That, will, that are being and will be imposed against the next boogeyman, China, North Korea, etc. And, of course, which will primarily affect the poorest and most vulnerable in those societies and will not affect the Xi Jinping's or the Kim Jong-un's of the world. Anyway, there's a lot to be said on that, but I think I've said it for today. Of course, I will exhort you to go and read that original newsletter editorial that I wrote, and lots of links in there to lots of information on this. And I am looking forward to hearing your other examples of uh, warfare uh, by means of sanctions. And there are many, many to go through. Uh, and if you would like to support this work, then I would humbly suggest you do become a member of Corbett Report. And you can log in and read that editorial directly on my website, along with the full newsletter with recommended reading, listening, and viewing. And a subscriber discount code for media, Corbett Report Media, purchased on the New World Next Week store. But that being said, I think that's going to do it for today. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. Thanking you for joining me for this edition of Questions for Corbett. I'm looking forward to talking to you again in the near future.